What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. Wow, weird saying that. 2020, and you guys are listening to episode 431. Hope everybody had a great time in between shows. Hope you are all doing well. Um, thank you so much for the kind words on episode 430. It got a big boost and a ton of feedback, which uh, I'm obviously very happy with. Thank you for listening. New listeners, old listeners, uh, tell your friends, um, TVE, and uh, we're doing a revamped TVE this year, everybody, which we talked about. Um, got a ton of stuff. Ton of stuff to talk about on the show today, including an altercation, which I was almost in, um, at a movie theater. Uh, and when I say almost, I mean almost. But uh, I was a, a grown-up. I was a, a man and a father, and I was responsible, but almost not. But I uh, handled that, so I'll talk about that. I saw the um, Adam Sandler movie, the uh, Safdie Brothers movie, Uncut Gems, so I'll be talking about that. I'll be talking about the Giants fans and the New York sports fans being outraged about a coach they don't even know um, that is the new head coach of the New York football Giants, Joe Judge. We'll be talking about that. Uh, I have an unacceptable, which goes into the almost altercation that, uh, (laughs) that I got into. And, um, yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about. So sit back, relax, wherever you may be today, uh, in your car, at your desk, wherever, on the treadmill, on your, what is it called? What is those, uh, those bikes that everybody got for Christmas? The uh, Peloton bikes or whatever. Apparently they're a million dollars each, but they're crushing it. I don't know. I heard somebody go, I don't need a Peloton bike. Okay, I don't need the motivation. I just need a bike or I just need something. I don't need the motivation. I'm opposite. When it comes to that, like music or like somebody in my ear going, come on, push, you could do one more. I think that that makes sense. That's why people have personal trainers. That's why people go to classes. You know, if you're by yourself and you're running up a hill and you're halfway up and you feel like you're going to puke and your legs are rubber and you can't do it anymore, but then somebody's next to you going, come on, for your mother, for your family, I'm like, all right, you know, but if I don't have that guy saying it's for your mother or your family, um, <laughs> then, you know, then what are you going to do? You know, you'd be like, all right, you know what, maybe I will just start slowly walking down the hill, go grab a bite to eat, see what happens. Um, speaking of my mother, I wanted to start the show with something that really, really lifted me up. And I hope it lifts you up too. Oh, and then we'll get angry. (laughs) Okay? So we'll start off with some warm, fun-loving stuff, and then we will, um, then uh, we'll take it up. We'll take it up a notch. But um, as you guys know, or some of you might know, my mother was uh, stage four stomach cancer. It was a very rare, very rare cancer of the stomach uh, years ago. Um, and I was a senior in high school and my mom was going through something and ambulances came. I left school. I saw ambulances and state troopers and everybody in front of my house. It was like a movie. It was like going there in slow motion. I didn't know what happened, but I knew my mom wasn't doing good that morning. So it was scary. And, uh, she eventually gets diagnosed with stage four 
stomach cancer. She had four major surgeries on her stomach. That wasn't doing it. It spread over to her liver, a bunch of different things, and um, it was looking bleak. And, um, well, I'll read you the post my mother posted today because that was in the late 90s. And, um, and uh, yeah, I'll just this is something that you should think about this and be grateful. So uh, this, is, this is cool. So my mother writes, um, This month marks 20 years since I began phase one clinical trial for stomach cancer, which did not respond to any uh, conventional chemotherapy. I had already had four major operations, which involved taking part of my stomach and liver. Follow-up after last procedure was pretty grim. The tumors that uh, metastasized in my liver were progressing. Surgery was no longer an option. There was nothing else they had for me. Uh, This is crazy to read. The largest cancer hospital in New York City turned me away. My husband researched and found a clinical trial at the Dana-Farber Institute in Boston. They were just beginning a trial for this type of cancer called GIST, a stomach sarcoma. After undergoing a liver biopsy, they determined I was a candidate. I met Dr. George Dimitri. He played a big part in discovering this treatment. Very shortly after beginning, the tumors began significantly shrinking. Dr. Dimitri was, uh, has always been so positive and supportive. Uh, always there for me. God has given me a gift. He's given uh, hope and time uh, to many. Uh, thank you, Dr. Dimitri and Dana Farber, for giving me time to experience many wonderful things with my very precious family. And thank you, God, for your grace and mercy. So, um, 20 years ago, my mother would be gone 20 years. So I would like to say on my podcast, on episode, um, you know, 431, thank you, Dr. George Dimitri from the Dana-Farber Institute for saving my mother's life. Thank you for making her be able to see um, not only myself, but my younger sister, who's 10 years younger, my younger brother, who's 9 years younger, my older brother, who's 5 years older. Thank you for letting her see our last 20 years, which the kids were so small, and um, just letting her see my family, her her only grandchildren, and um, just be with us on the holidays and see everything that we're all doing in our lives. So um, that's that's one thing that I, I wanted to say on the show. So whatever's going on in your life, you know, be grateful. However bad you think you got it, man, nothing means, nothing means anything. It's all bullshit. It's all fucking bullshit. You know, you do what you do and, and, you know, all those things that we think matter, you know, restaurant didn't have my fucking reservation. Somebody's five minutes late and it's the end of the world. Somebody's doing this. At the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. What matters is what I just read because, because of that, I have my mom here still who I love. Everybody loves my mom. My mom is like every one of my friends, my comedian friends, everybody just, they talk about my mom. When they come to the parties, she's the one that they really always say the sweet things about. And, and uh, she's just so easy and great. And in my darkest hours, she's been there for me. So uh, it's just great to have her around still. So I just wanted to start the show with that. I think that's a nice positive thing because things happen. You know, people find out awful things and people, you know, just get so bogged down and they think work or their boss or this or that. And at the end of the day, man, it could be worse. Um 
So there you go. I, I figured I would just, uh, I would write that and then I just put a post about that. So there we go. Now we could get into some venom. Okay, now we can, <laughs> now we can, um, oh, actually, while we're on a positive note, you guys know that I'm a sneakerhead. I have to talk about this and I have to thank this man, this, uh, this incredible fan. Uh, his name is Adam Charles uh, on Instagram. You can get him at Adam C H A A Z. Chaz or Chase, but it's it's Adam C H A A Z, and uh, Adam knew that I was a sneakerhead. He's a fan of the show. He's been listening to the podcast for a long time, and he made me custom Adidas Stan Smiths. Um, he did a New York City graffiti version of the Stan Smiths, where he painted Verzi across the side of the sneakers in these sick blue and green and black color. I mean, it's so sick. The lines are so clean. If you go to my Instagram, you can see them. If you go to my Facebook, you can see them. I believe they're on Twitter. If they're not, check them out on Twitter. Shout out to, I mean, these are so sick. Custom paint. And then by the heel, he wrote, stick to your guns, which is kind of something that I guess he thought that was fitting for me. And uh, it actually was very flattering, and I was honored. I feel like I do stick to my guns, and I am who I am. Um, and I, I love them. They're insane. They will go in my office. They will go in a case. I might throw them on just for a second. <laughs> but these are so special and so cool. The, the, check out his art. Um, if you want custom stuff done, hit him up. He's, you know, uh, you know I, I don't know what his whole deal is, but with, as far as business, so don't, but it just look at his work, check it out. And, um, it was just an amazing gift from a fan and I loved it. So check out his work. It's Adam Charles. Like I said, go to his Instagram. It's, uh, Adam C H A A Z. Actually, while I have you guys here, let me just double check that because I don't want to screw this up because this dude is the man. And, um, I just was really taken back by, by the sneakers. So um, let me see here if it is. I mean, these are so sick. And they got, and they're the original Stan Smiths, the white with the green. Like these are like the original, I guess, what, 70s, I would say. Or, but I mean, so, so sick. And um, he just did, and the colors match the, and it almost looks like Verzi is like cracking. But also, you could it, it make it out. It's really awesome. It's really awesome. And, um, you know, so please check it out. And let me just make sure it is Adam. Um, Adam. Yes, I got it right. His Instagram is Adam C-H-A-A-Z. Check out his work. Thank you, Adam. It is truly an honor. And I really appreciate it. Okay. Now, we can get into some... Now we could get into some stuff, some stuff that happened when I went to the movies with my brother, uh, and this is obviously my unacceptable, but there's two unacceptables with this unacceptable, so uh, enjoy this story. Okay, so uh, my brother and I, we decide to go to see Uncut Gems, like a 945 showing um, in a mutual, like a, a middle place from my house to his house. Okay, so we get there, we get our, you know, we get our concessions or whatever, our, our, our snacks, our drink, 
we go in the theater, we're sitting there in the middle. It's nice, perfect seats pretty much, uh, right where you kind of want to be. And nobody is sitting behind us. <laughs> and some people walk in and they walk past us and I'm like, good, good, good. Now the movie starts and I think we're home free and I'm like, great, this is going to be great. First opening scene, which is kind of an important one because it kind of shows what the whole kind of story is based off of. And these four kids come in and sit right behind us. And I'm looking and I'm just thinking, oh my God, why? And part of me was just going to say to my brother, you know what, people just sat behind us. Let's get up. Let's get up and move our seats. Let's just go down, move our seats. We don't have to even think about it. But then I'm like, nah, it might be fine. Just whatever. There's a lot of people in here and the seats that are available are kind of lower into the front. So whatever. Right when the kid sits down, he kicks the back of my chair really hard real quick, right? Maybe by accident, whatever. So I kind of just, to set a precedent, I kind of just look back, like kind of quickly, but just look back, like to say, hey man, I felt that, let's not do that again. And I think I hear his friend go, oh, you know, I do look back at you, whatever. So now I don't know how big these kids are. I don't know what's going on with, is this dude crazy? Is he trying to start something? I mean, I doubt it. It was probably just an accident. But then I feel again, I feel it again. And now I'm, it's starting to really mess with me. And then I slightly feel it again, so I kind of turn a little bit, and then I lean back. And I hear, I think I hear, like, oh, he leaned back or something. So now I'm like, are these fucking kids, are these guys in their 20s, 30s, maybe mid-20s, low 30s? I don't know. But there's clearly an issue now because I look back the first time, and it's just me and my brother and four of them. Now I'm pissed, and now I'm half watching this epic performance by Adam Sandler epic performance and I'm also dealing with this so then some time goes by and then nothing and then I feel like is this dude's foot like on or resting on my chair and I'm like it wouldn't be there so I kind of like every time I would make a move though it would stop so I would lean back and everything and now I'm getting really frustrated and now I could tell he's fucking with me Okay, and I'm not taking it well and I'm not taking kindly to it but I'm trying to enjoy the movie now I know what some of you are thinking. I would have stood up. I should have stood up and I should have turned around and been like, yo, can you please stop doing this to my seat? Or can you please stop kicking the seat? Okay, but then if he's a punk, I don't want to end up, you know, getting into something. You know, what I really wanted to do is take my drink and throw it in his face and say, if you keep doing this, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you and all your stupid friends in here. But I'm, I'm, uh, I have a cooler head than that. So it just felt good to feel like I could, you know, to say that, you know. So I didn't want my brother to feel uncomfortable. I didn't want people around these four because it was kind of busy to feel uncomfortable. Now the rest of the movie, if I set up, if I stand up and say something, now the rest of the movie is like he's thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. other people around probably, you know, take them away from a movie to look every once in a while. I don't want it to be like that. Okay. I just don't. But he's got the higher ground. His feet are by my head. It's just one of those things. So I'm like... Since it was subtle enough where I could deal with it, was just a really bad situation. Then towards the end of the movie, he's doing it again, and I feel it on the right corner of my thing. Then I start turning around, then I start backing up a lot. Now I'm like, all right, when this movie's over, I'm going to say something, because now it's ruining half my movie. Okay, and the movie was great. It was fantastic, wild story, um, unbelievable acting. I definitely want to see it again, especially going through this. But I was just really, like, pissed off. So here's what I do. At the end of the movie, right when the credits come up, and they probably know it's coming, I want I stand up and I turn around and I look, and his friend to the right just leaves the theater, put head down, walks away. 
The guy behind me, head down, maybe looked at me for one second, if that, and then just kept his head down and looked to the left, and they kind of rushed out of there. Then I knew that they were kind of punks. I would say the ages, if I had to look, I would say the ages were mid to late 20s, maybe 30, something like that, but around there. And now, on my way out, I tell my brother, who who knows nothing. So I tell my brother, I'm like, hey, man, I don't know. I don't want it to, you know, but dude was kicking my seat and, like, it ruined half my movie. And my brother's like, dude, are you serious? Like, why don't you say something? And he starts getting upset. And now I'm just like, now I just want to walk out and see if I see the kids. Because I just want to at least look at the kid and let him know, like, you know, I know what he did. And now I know what he looks like. And, uh. You know, probably like a little taller than me, whatever. He had like a uh, like a shirt over a hoodie or whatever. I'm just like kind of looking and I see them far down the hallway. And they're kind of looking back and they're kind of like laughing. And now I'm, now I'm like, now I'm like, I got, I can't handle this. Now I need to say, you got to be real. You know, I, all I wanted to do, like I'm a grown man with kids. I got a lot to lose. I'm not, but I just wanted to be like, hey man, you really need to be careful or you need to watch yourself. You know, somebody other than me, like, wouldn't take, you know, something like that. Because then I, I, at the point when I saw the dude, I was like, there's no way I would not, I would tie this kid in a knot. I would kill this kid. Right? And that's not my style. I'm not a fighter. I'm nothing like that. But I was angry and it was really like, I felt like my kindness was taken advantage of. Like, it was really, like, I should have, now, like, hindsight, I would have definitely handled it differently. Okay? I will also never sit in front of somebody in a movie again. So I'm walking out to the parking lot and I see some kids and it's not them. It's not them. And uh, <laughs> my brother, I say goodbye to my brother. I give him a hug. I say, I love you. He gets in his car. And all of a sudden, I'm like leaving and I'm going in my car and I see this car with four dudes in it. And I'm realizing, I go, wow, I think that's them. So then they make a left and I make a left. And now I'm not following them. I'm just, that's the way that I'm going. But then they make another left and then I make another left. And now I need to, now I'm like, now I'm like, wow, this is weird. Like, I think that's them in front of me. And, <laughs> you know, so then I kind of see the way that he's driving. He's thinking I'm following him. And then I'm realizing I'm putting two and two together. I'm like, this is the kid. These are the kids. I'm 90, I could say right now, on this podcast, I, I without being without trying to make it a good story for the show, I'm being dead serious. I could pretty much say it was 96 to 98 percent the four kids that were sitting in front of me. One of which was obviously kicking my seat. But now they're like trying to see if I'm following them, and I'm glad because I'm like, oh, good, maybe they're afraid, and that's what that kid needs. Okay, <laughs> that's what that kid needs. <laughs> so I want them to see me. And I, I got to be honest with you, at the point, it was like, look, I'm not going to do anything. And I was literally saying, to, literally saying to myself, you're a grown man. You have two children. You're not going to do anything. So it's fine. And, you know, I'm not going to stalk kids. I'm just driving. But they're looking scared, which made me feel good. Does that make sense? It was like, I'm going the way they're going. And if that's making them uncomfortable or scared, then I'm okay with that. Because if they feel a little discomfort the way I did in the theater, I'm okay with that. Okay? So then, now I just kind of want to get a look to make, to make sure. Now I'm just curious. So the dude takes a left. I take a left. Unbeknownst to me, the left that he took hooks around <laughs> to... Uh, to to a Taco Bell drive-through. 
and it didn't look like it was a parking lot of a Taco Bell. Like it looked like it was just a, a left. And then all of a sudden he swings around. But now it would have looked really weird. So now I got caught in this weird situation where it would have looked like I would I was like following them and I would have had to leave. So now I'm online at a Taco Bell next to this car. Okay? <laughs> and 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 it's just weird. So they're ordering and I'm just sitting there. So now they think they got some psychopath, okay, who's following them out of the movie, okay, and trying to scare them or whatever, making it but I was making a couple turns and next thing you know, I'm online. So now I gotta get like a small soda and one taco because I don't even want to be there. So this thing just <laughs> this thing just snowballs. And I'm kind of smiling and I'm going, all right, dude. You know what? You're just gonna get your. You're gonna get a soda. You're gonna get, just go home, and it's over. Call the day next time you don't, right? So they, they're taking really long. Now, there's like a devil and an angel on my shoulder, okay? And the the angel's going, you know, just get your stuff and get out of here. The devil is going, just give him a light bump on the bumper, just like they did to you in the movie theater. <laughs> Now they're in some piece of shit truck and I'm in a I'm in a Lexus, all right? So I'm like, I don't want to you know, but I'm like if just a little nudge. I mean, that would be just wouldn't that be poetic justice? And then they get out and they see me and I'm like, "Hey, were you guys in the movie theater behind me?" You know, something like that. It would have just been epic, but I don't because I'm a grown-up. I got too much to lose and I have a level head. But I'm just thinking of all these things. I'm thinking. I'm a comic, guys. I get creative. I'm thinking. So they finally get all their food. Then I pull up and I just got like a small soda and like one taco, which I didn't even know if I was going to eat. And then they pull up and then they pull into a parking spot in the parking lot of the Taco Bell to eat. So what I say was, because I'm all I keep thinking about was him kicking my seat too. So I, I'm glad now that they might be scared. Like these innocent left turns turn into almost redemption if it is them. And the other thing is if the 3% or 4% isn't them, then they think they really got a lunatic. But I'm smarter than that. So as I get my food, I say to the lady at the drive-thru, I say, um, I mean, I'm just curious. I go, were there four people in that truck? And she just looked at me and she shook her head. She goes, yeah. And she was nervous and acted strange. Okay. So now... Like, as she gave me the food, it was almost like a movie. She just gave it to me, and she goes, yeah. And I don't know if she thought I was a cop or if they said something, right? This is all real. I'm not making this up. So, and this is all, like, hindsight. Like, this all literally just happened, like, I got to be honest, like, kind of by chance. Because I leave the movie. I see people leaving. I'm pissed. I say goodbye to my brother. And the next thing you know, I'm in front of this car that looks like the kids that have four of them. And we're going the same way. And now I'm at a Taco Bell behind them, and things start to get weird. But I, w I, w I would be lying if I said I wasn't happy if there wasn't a little fear with them. So when I say to them, when I say to the girl, she gives me the taco and the soda. She says, yeah, and it was a very weird, she looked almost nervous and scared that she told me, yeah. Meaning now that I look at it, they might have said this guy behind us might be following us. So, so they stop and eat. I pull in to the parking space because I, I, um, I have a soda. I just want to get situated. And um, I park and I kind of look in the mirror and I see and they're eating there. So I take a sip of my thing and I'm like, let me just eat this taco. Okay, because it would look weird if I just 
the way that it went down, it would have looked weird if I would have like drove by them. I didn't want to just drive by them and then look in. I didn't want to do that. So I kind of go off to another side of the parking lot, not where they are, and I'm eating, but I could see them through my through my mirror. And right a minute in, not even, and this is how I knew something was up, they pull out and they go back. They wanted to see if it what was going down. So they were scared. They pull back to the drive-thru window and they're back there. So I immediately pull out as they do okay and I pull out and then now I know that it was them and I know that they were whatever and now I don't want this to go on any longer you know I but I did eat my taco had my drink made sure you know everything and then I ended up just going home and leaving so um the altercation which almost happens when I stood up and looked at him and then he just put his head down he basically let me know that he was like scared and I don't want to do anything like that. I'm not trying to do that. But it just got funny how like the, you know, leaving the parking lot, I end up, you know, taking a couple lefts following these guys and they're like, oh man, is this, you know, and then I ended up at a Taco Bell. But the kicking of the seat was so unacceptable and I have to be honest with you. Um, if I could go back, I would have stood up and said, listen, dude, if you kick my seat again, it's going to be a bad night for you. Okay. And, you know, that or I would have taken a full ice drink and thrown it in the kid's face. But, you know, I, I just was like, I don't want to go there. I just don't want to do that. That's not who I am. But that's where I was thinking. Um, to be honest, in hindsight, what I would really do is as soon as somebody sat behind me and I knew there were empty seats to avoid any situation, I would have just said to my brother, you know what, let's move up. But if anybody kicks your seat multiple times, you know, um, and the theater was one of those weird ones where the people behind you weren't right behind you. He was up above me. His feet were at my head. And that was another thing I didn't like. But um, one of the most unacceptable and uncomfortable movie experiences I ever had. So if you have anybody ever do it, say something or move your seat. I can tell you unless a movie is fully sold out or packed, fully sold out or packed, I will never go through that experience again. Absolute unacceptable this kid kicking the seat and how old are you and he and here's the thing he did it like a punk he didn't do it blatant enough he did it enough to where if I said something I would have looked like a lunatic but I knew what he was doing I 100% knew what he was doing um and it drove me absolutely wild um so I'm glad those little assholes got scared I'm glad I'm actually glad that I ended up going into this thing and and, and getting behind him it was almost like the karma that needed to, it, it needed to happen and I'm glad that it did and I'm glad they got scared and I'm glad that as soon as they sat there, they went back around and there's no way it was to get something and I'm sure, I'm sure they said if he says something, we're going to come back around and you tell us. So I know that there was a little fear and I know that it probably won't happen again. So that makes me feel good and I know what half of you were saying, Verzi's out of his mind. No, I'm not. Believe me, I'm not. Let's go to your guys' unacceptables. Here you go. Cinema reviews. There you go. Saren writes in. Hi, Paul. If you were feeling down, read the reviews for this movie, Cats. Cheers me up every time. Oh, boy, did I hear a lot of things about Cats. By the way, I'm taking my wife to a Broadway play tomorrow. We're going to a play in the city. I'm looking forward to it. It was a Christmas gift from me to my lovely wife. Uh, here we go. So... Um, this this user review for Cats says, The only way this could make sense is if cops uh, play it in interrogation rooms. I mean, uh, what was that? It is 
uh, is it actually a movie? There has uh, there has to be a plot for it to be called a movie, right? Sorry, but I wouldn't recommend this monstrosity to any human being. Um, turned me into a cat serial killer, this one says. Before watching this movie, I was very happy with my mental state and life in general. I had a family, people who loved me as much as I loved them back. An amazing wife, two beautiful children, and I'm sorry, but this is so hard to write a cat. I thought despite the bad reviews and creepy previews that I could still find some joy in this movie as I have been able to find joy in many things in my life. However, I got 10 minutes into the movie and my body wouldn't let me get up out of the chair. I was paralyzed as the horrible images, ear-destroying songs, and dialogue that seemed to be written by a mentally challenged dodo bird was forced upon me. It has been several... (laughs) <laughs> it has been several days since I left that theater, and I will uh, not go into specific details, but my actions uh, have led to f- uh, family leaving me and my cat no longer being with us. Uh, something has taken over my mind, and I thought, <laughs> I thought possible there is such anger filling me that <laughs> that I... Um, that and I, f- I feel myself, um, wait a minute, hold on, let me read that end again. My actions have family leaving me and my cat no longer being with us. Something has taken over my mind that I never thought possible. Uh, there is such anger filling me that, and I feel myself, oh, and then it cut off. That's so hilarious. And then, um... I, what does this say? It said, I'd have rather sat next to somebody who had no control of their bowels and farting for two hours than to have to sit through this horrid, strange, creepy, weird movie. The music was hands down freaking awful and painful to endure. What a steaming pile of dookie. Uh, oh my God, dude. This And it just keeps going on. It's worse than Game of Thrones ending. It's worse than Game of Thrones ending. It's worse than Game of Thrones ending. Um, oh my God. Meowch. Somebody wrote meowch. Uh, this film is literally <laughs> a catastrophe. I've never seen the stage version of Cats, but this movie didn't do it any favors. The CGI feline Humanoids are a nightmare fuel, creepy crawling, prancing and dancing, though a paper-thin plot that drops the viewer in the middle of an unfamiliar and unsettling world without any real explanations. It's also full of mostly lackluster musical numbers featuring songs which, with nonsensical lyrics. To put it simple, this film is lit, literally a catastrophe. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it makes you feel like you could write a play when you hear something that bad. Um, Okay, so this one is from Ryan. What's up, Paul? My unacceptable is the ridiculous amount of potholes on Long Island roads. 
There are everywhere from highway exit ramps to local residential roads. 90% of them are still there from last year, and we still have three more cold months where many more will form. I remember an old TVE where you talked about hitting a giant pothole and blowing out a tire. Every time I hit one, I'm waiting for the sound of a fucking... I know, dude. I just hit another one, and I was worried because of that. I am literally memorizing which lanes at which exits on expressways that I have to avoid. There is nothing more frustrating than hitting a deep pothole and feeling the damage to your car. I love that, and you are 100% right. That's the best way to say it. Knowing um, that the only reason why it's happening is because the city or town doesn't know how to uh, allocate money to fix roads properly. It should be a priority. Best to you and your family in 2020. Thank you, Ryan. You as well. Thank you for the submission. Um, and I got to tell you something. You just put that so perfectly. You put that so perfectly because your car gets damaged, your tire, your alignment, all that gets thrown off because of the lack of of just the, either the leadership in the town, the money in the town, the town. It doesn't even matter what what whether it's leadership or money or whatever. The fact that that's happening to your vehicle because of the town, um, it's ridiculous and it's insanely frustrating and 100% unacceptable. That is a perfect one. And um, boy, I mean, cats must be horrible. I remember my mother-in-law and wife telling me that the play was absolutely horrific, like one of the worst things that they've ever seen. And now I'm seeing it here in the movie and uh, is, is the same way. So uh, yeah, I think I'll be skipping cats, everybody. That sounds awful. Uh, I'm going to see uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh tomorrow with my wife, Ed Harris. So I'm looking forward to that. And I got some good, see, I didn't get the cheap ones. I got the good ones for tomorrow, everybody. Okay. That's how I'm coming into 2020, going big into 2020. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I get enraged when something happens that I can't control. And that's why the guy kicking my seat I swear to God, I believe this. I don't know if you guys believe this. I believe, okay, I believe that, first of all, what goes around comes around, a thousand percent. I don't care if you did it to somebody 20, 30 years ago. I don't care if you were deceitful. I don't care if you were, you know, untelling and you just try to say, well, no, I mean, I didn't tell them, but nobody had to know. All of that shit comes back to you. I really, really believe that it comes back to you. There's a balance of life. We've talked about it before. You drink all night, you're hungover. That's life. I believe me scaring those kids leaving that parking lot or at least making them think, oh my God, is this guy. It was a beautiful karma thing. I ended up behind them. We leave at the same time and, and they probably got scared. And you know what? Yes, I'm a grown man and I shouldn't be involved in, in, which I wasn't involved in anything. And I wasn't going to partake in any kind of, any kind of altercation. I, I was on my way. I'm going home. Yeah, I, did, I, I, didn't, I didn't expect to get a, a small diet soda and a, and a taco. I didn't. But the fact that that ended up happening and probably put fear will definitely make that kid think next time. And I got to be honest, I feel good about that. If the universe needed that to happen, then hey, it's out of my control. <laughs> it's out of my control. Um, you know, I know people and I've had friends growing up that the circumstances would have been different. Okay. I know people that not only would they have followed them, 
They would have parked next to him when they were eating. They would have looked at him and they would have said, hey, enjoy your meal because when you're done, and by the way, you're not getting out of here without getting the shit kicked out of you, so enjoy your meal. And I mean, I I had I know people that would have, you know, and I, I don't want that. Nobody wants that. But a little fear, a little karma, and the universe making something happen where you go, okay, maybe things got a little more even here. Okay. Don't, you don't kick somebody's seat for on and off for two hours of a great movie thinking you're being fucking cute and, and don't get anything for it. And I'm such a psychopath and I'm such like a, I can't handle shit like that so much. I don't know if it's the Sicilian in me. It took me a good three or four conversation with friends and to have, to, to get over it, to just be like, all right, I'm over it now. Uh, that's how angry I was. So maybe sometimes it's not being, it's not good being a nice guy. <laughs> all right, guys, uh, here we go. Moving on to sports right now. Um, all the typical Typical New York Giant fans and New York sports fans, they strike back. Here we go. It's, oh my God, what do the Giants do? Nobody even heard of this guy. This is a disaster. That's what it, that's what New York sports fans do. I mean, I know a lot of sports fans, but New York sports fans just have this thing. You don't know the guy. What did we do? What does that even mean? You don't know the guy. He worked under... Bill Belichick for eight years. He worked under Nick Saban. He's got five rings. He's a wide receivers coach for Super Bowl champion teams. He's a special teams coach for Super Bowl champion teams. He worked with the best leaders in the history of both college and professional football. And he goes in and he wows the New York Giants office, the president, the owner, the GM. He wows them and they go, oh my God, this guy's ready. And everybody loses their mind like they know shit. You don't know shit, okay? Even me as a comedian, I don't know shit, okay? I'm going to tell dick jokes tonight in a basement somewhere in front of 60 people, okay? I don't know anything. But what I do know is that I don't know what this guy is, so I'm not going to judge yet. Doesn't that seem a little more logical than, oh, this is a disaster. What a shit storm. We, I mean, it's over. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm Lee, I'm jumping ship. This is terrible. Giants suck. What are we, the Browns? I got news for you. John Harbaugh, guess what he was when he was in the Eagles? He was a special teams coach for the Eagles. Wide receivers coach. Guess what? He went to the Ravens, won a Super Bowl. Guess what? He's probably going to win his second one this year. You don't know shit, okay? You work in a bowling alley. You don't know dick. So sit back. Hope for the best, root for your team, and then when you're one and six on week seven, going into week seven, then you could go, why did they get this nobody that nobody heard of? I'm all for that. Somebody said to me, Paul, you know, it seems a little elitist to tell fans what they should and should not do. What's the appropriate? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't say the appropriate thing when it's time. But is it appropriate when the day a guy gets hired? You were more mad when this guy got hired than during the shitty performance of the last coach after two years, who was a known loser, who lost in Cleveland, who lost all the, who, who was a known loser, and we were okay with that. We were okay with two years, two and seven. People are like, oh, this guy may have to go. I don't know. And then all of a sudden they hire this guy, and they're like, oh, what are we doing? You know, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry you can't resurrect Vince Lombardi, rest his soul. I'm sorry you can't do that. I'm sorry that you can't. But, you know, Mike McCarthy left. I, I, listen, I would have been happy with a Mike McCarthy or Ron Rivera for the Giants who have proven. But they, you know, 
They, they Ron Rivera's time ran out, and Mike McCarthy had a bad ending of his thing, and and the Cowboys got him great. But when you don't know a coach and the team hires him, acting like it's like some. I could understand if the guy had like bad allegations, if the guy was a hothead, if players didn't like the guy, if the guy was a known loser in other organizations. I understand all of that. What I don't understand is giving a guy a chance that nobody knows and you acting like it's the end of the world. So that's what I, what I think is appropriate is being logical and being smart. Okay. Um, that's, that's all I have to say about that. I told you as far as the uncut gems, the movie, with the exception of the guy kicking me, Adam Sandler played this um, Jewish um, diamonds dealer down in the Diamond District in New York, uh, Howard, was it Rothman or whatever? Oh my God. I mean, a guy out of his mind, a gambling junkie, he, he played the role so good that you were just so anxious, you thought his problems were your problems, that's how good this movie was. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, do I owe a bookie 750? Like that's how scared I got for this guy. People running after him, people beating him, people following him, people going to his kids' school play, sitting back looking at him, people showing up to his thing, him going to pawn shops to just, you know, for 24 hours to just so to, to buy time and being able I was sitting there like I need a drink and a and a shrink right now. I need to talk to somebody. And I need a whiskey because this is freaking me out. I mean, the performance was unbelievable. The movie was, I said to my buddy Giannis, shout out to Giannis Papas. Check out Giannis's comedy and his uh, very popular podcast, uh, History Ienas with Chris Stefano. Both hilarious comics, both great dudes. Um, you've heard Giannis on the show. You'll hear those guys on the show again. But uh, I said to Giannis before I saw the show, I said, hey, dude, are, are, do you want to go see Uncut Gems tonight? And he was like, I already saw it. And I go, how was it? And he just said, wild and really good. And that's the best way to put it. The movie was a wild ride. Very, very good. I recommend it to, to anybody. And um, Sandler was good. Now, the last thing I got to talk about before I get into plugs. You guys are listening to uh, episode 431. And... Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the year, guys. I'm excited for some things that are going to be happening this year. And uh, and that does include the podcast and the future of the Verzi Effect. So, um, you know. But other than, um, you know, talking about the, the show or what's going on with the show, because you guys know that there were contract things that happened, I'm just going to wait for it to be done before I do that. But, um, you know, some some exciting stuff. And, you know, you guys know that on this show I have to talk about things that always benefit comedy and benefit the art. Um, so one thing I would recommend is obviously listening to Dave Chappelle's Mark Twain speech, which was, um, it was about the art and him just saying he'll defend it. You know, he'll defend it no matter what. Um, the art is is what we do. And it's a beautiful thing that we do. And um, this will segue into Ricky Gervais. Um, my opinion on Ricky Gervais's monologue for um, the, I almost want to play the seven minutes on the show, but you guys can, it's easily, you guys, if you listen to the show, you can easily just Google it because um, I want to talk about my, uh, you know, my thoughts on it here. But Ricky Gervais um, did the, his the fifth time he did the Golden Globes, he hosted the 77th Annual Golden Globe Awards. And if you know, it's at the Beverly, uh, you know, 
Beverly Hills Hotel out there and, you know, they're in this big room and it's all the biggest stars of the biggest movies of that year and they're all sitting there and um, Ricky Gervais basically went in there with a blowtorch and I know some people didn't like it and I, I even talked to some people in showbiz who didn't like it but when, believe me when I tell you, the most respected comedians and the people that do what we do uh, liked it, okay? Um, I want to say something too. People... In our business, in, in show business, in comedy, they they can have opinions. They can they can help you. They can be wonderful. They can they can be you know all these different things. They can be mean and evil, and deceitful. They can everything under the sun of what somebody's actions can be, what somebody's personality can be. You get in show business, but the 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 people that actually do it, and I mean no disrespect to. Anybody that's ever helped me, you know, managers, my, my current managers, you know, fantastic. You know, I've always talked about uh, anybody that I've worked with, agents that have helped me and booked me and all that stuff. That That's great. I'm not, I'm not, I'm the people that are on my team that I love, that's great. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is what we do on stage. We do. Our stand-up is what we do. Our ideas or what we do. And when Chappelle talked about that on um, on the Mark Twain, he was talking about how he'll always defend what we do or what we say. And he said, even sometimes we may say it or do it in a way that we're not getting the point across properly. Or we're not getting our idea out the right way. But he'll always defend it because that's the art form and that's what we do. And um, Ricky Gervais basically, in this unbelievable way, just kind of defended it and just made it like, look, he was just honest. And I mean, he had so many great lines, but he's like, look, if you're a Hollywood elitist, you have no idea about the real world or what's going on. Don't get up here and talk about your political views. Grab your award. Thank your agent. Thank your God and fuck off. And I, guys, I've been talking about that on the podcast. I actually got, people got upset with me for tweeting that. I actually tweeted that. And then Ricky Gervais does it. Granted, he's Ricky Gervais, Ricky Gervais and he's, you know, a known huge comic, famous comic. And, and he did that and everybody went wild for it. But I mean, he said things that are going on in our business that were just so amazing where he said, um, yeah, we were going to do a uh, in memorandum of all the people that died or in memory of all the people that died, I should say, this year. But it wasn't diverse enough. So we'll see what happens next year, but not on my watch. You know, like that's just so great. It's just so great because it's basically telling Hollywood, everybody knows what you're doing. It's it, A lot of it is just a fake, you know, and um, but he was also he was joking that it's business, too. But I just really, really loved what he did. You know, and then he was like, Apple is here, you know, and he's like, even though they got people working in sweatshops, you know, or, you know, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Oh, I know it bothers you because you were friends with him. He just went at the hypocrisy of what goes on. And it was amazing to see. And I loved it. I really did. I thought that it was, I thought that it was perfect. Um, and I recommend everybody watching it. And I know people get mad and stuff. And Tom Hanks had a little puss on his face because he was getting an award and stuff. And I get it. I also get the other side where you're like, you're there with your family and you're going to win a lifetime achievement award. And this comic is kind of shitting on it. But what he said was true. And to me, truth always, uh, truth always wins. So I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. 
And uh, it was great hearing Joe Rogan thanking him and all these comedians on Twitter and everybody that does it, that actually, you know, is in the business and lives and dies by how the business dictates things, really loved and appreciated, especially if you're a real one. That's what I believe. So I will leave it at that, guys. And um, I am happy to announce that my 2020 tour is starting off at a club I wanted to do for a long time. And it is um, amazing that I'm doing it. I hear amazing things. They say it's the best club in the country. I'm shooting my special in the same state of Wisconsin this year. Um, you know, I think it's going to be Wisconsin or Boston, but it's probably going to be Wisconsin. Um, comedy on State in Madison, Wisconsin. I will be doing Comedy on State in Madison, Wisconsin, February 6th, 7th, and 8th. Please go online, get your tickets. This just got announced, so I hope the tickets are available now. They should be, but um, I will be there uh, February 6th, 7th, and 8th. I'm looking so forward to coming there. I heard the crowds are amazing. I'm getting my hour right because I want to shoot it, um, obviously, sometime later this year. So come out, get tickets, and um, I will be there. For other dates, I'll be in New York City. I'll be at The Stand. I will be at The Cellar. I will be at New York Comedy Club. I will be at Stand Up New York. All over New York City, you guys can check out those dates and showtimes at paulverzi.com. Um, and for any other road dates and stuff, March, I'll be at Levity Live. March, I'll be at Magoobies in Baltimore. All of those dates you could check out on the website. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and, uh, again, anybody out there who, uh, the last thing I want to say is, you know, with my mom surviving the cancer and everything that went on there, if you noticed what she said, she said that they told her that they did everything they could for her. She had nowhere else to go. The biggest hospital in New York City, which is Sloan Kettering, had nothing for her. And then my stepfather, um, you know, saved her by finding out that there was a trial drug at the Dana-Farber. So if you're going, if you're going through that, if you know anybody going through that, do your research. There are test drugs out there and it saved my mom's life. Maybe it'll save somebody else's. So uh, I just wanted to, um, since I started on that, I just want to end on that because, um, between that and seeing how bad cats was and people had to sit through it. Um, I would say, that, uh, <laughs> I think everybody will be okay. So thank you guys. Uh, I love you guys. More to come, and uh, I will talk to I'll talk to everybody soon. Um, take care.